Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you, Lord God, for your love and for your goodness. Thank you for this day in which we remember. We remember those we love. We remember those we care for. We remember those who are hurting and broken. We remember you who are able to step into our lives and transform us. We thank you for that. We pray, Father, that you'd speak to us, move us, work in us this morning. We come to worship you. We lift your name on high. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Galatians, the letter of Paul to the church at Galatia. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 22 to 26. And verse 22 starts with the fruit of the Spirit. But I want you to be aware of what's right before that, because it's easy to start with the fruit of the Spirit. But if you look at the things, the list of things, right before the list of the fruit of the Spirit, it outlines those things that that the the world would have you think are are things worth pursuing. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Uh, by the way, I, I saw the other day uh, a, new, a new TV show, The Good Witch. No such thing. Um, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Um, what a list, huh? Uh, but God has a better way. A way that really brings uh, a change in life. A life that's exciting and adventuresome. A life that's, that's not full of things that destroy you, but things that build you up. And so in verse 22, uh, the Apostle Paul shares with us the opposite of that. And it's awesome. In verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing. This God's most holy word. Jesus, thank you that you are with us through the good and the bad. That you walk with us. That you give us strength and you give us direction and you give us your peace. And Lord Jesus, we ask this morning as we open your word that you would speak to us once again. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to share your voice with each other. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be ready to respond as you share with us, that we might be more like you. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord, we've come to worship you. We've come to hear from you. We've come to respond to you. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've been talking about the Holy Ghost 
the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And I, I hope that you are opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit. And, and it's not always easy to do uh, because uh, there are a lot of things that keep us from doing that. One is fear. Um, sometimes we are afraid. If I allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, what will that mean? What will that look like? And, and I can guarantee you that if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, your life will not be what you expected it to be. Because the Holy Spirit will begin to move in you and change you. And by the, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Children's Church starts right now. So if kids don't want to listen to me either. Why not? Yeah, just Dan's leaving. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Whole bunch of you getting up. What's that guy? Oh, man. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. <clears throat> so, so if the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, you don't, you don't know really what's going to happen, do you? Um, Jesus once said that the Spirit working in your life is like the wind blowing. You're not sure where it's coming from, and you're not always sure where it's going, but you can feel it and you know it's happening. And as you begin to follow the Holy Spirit, those things begin to happen in your life. And the presence of Jesus comes to live within you, the Holy Spirit, and that presence will give you direction. In other words, that presence will be like a wind vein. On the top, you can put it right on your head. And, and you begin to know, you begin to recognize what God is doing and how God's at work. And all of a sudden you begin to, to move in directions that perhaps you wouldn't have gone otherwise. As a matter of fact, I, the more I follow Jesus, the more I'm convinced that Jesus' plan for me has very little to do with my plan for me. And so I've learned, well, I'm learning, let me put it that way, I'm learning, right, that as I move with the Spirit, uh, God always has a better plan. And not only do we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And what that means is that God begins to work in powerful ways as we begin to see Him work and as we get involved, uh, He begins to move things, people, and in particular, us. And He gives us strength and courage. And we begin to do and go places with a confidence. And the Spirit brings that to us. If we're open to the Spirit. Now you remember, we can always quench the Holy Spirit, right? We can always say, no, I'm not sure I want a piece of that. And if we do that, it's to our detriment. God doesn't say, oh no, what am I going to do? Now they're quenching the Spirit. God's got another plan. God's always got it figured out. But you lose out. I lose out when I don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And when I put this series together, I came to our next section, which I called the peace. And I didn't realize it was going to be Memorial Day. And then I thought, how appropriate. That God would put that together. Uh, because you see, Memorial Day is a day we remember, isn't it? And it's a day when we remember some very hard things. We remember, um, we remember those um, who, who have lost ones they love. <clears throat> and it's very difficult for them. This is a very difficult day for them. And I just want to be very clear about that. Tomorrow... As you celebrate Memorial Day, um, don't forget that for many, uh, tomorrow will be a very difficult day. I'm not saying don't celebrate. I'm just saying take a few moments 
and think about those um, whose loved ones died um, and gave their lives so that you could celebrate tomorrow. And, and I, I want to ask you to pray for them, and I want to ask you to pray for peace for them. And, and also pray uh, for those who, who are right now in harm's way who are actually right now uh, putting themselves in a place um, to protect others and our, our country. Um, and, and pray, and the best thing you can pray for for them is peace, right? Think about it. If you're in the military and there's peace, what does that mean? That means you don't have to fight. Now you have to train and you have to work, but you don't have to fight. And it's a whole lot safer. Pray for peace. I read somewhere this week that over the last 4,000 years, 4,000 years, only 286 of those years didn't have peace. Despite the fact that in those same 4,000 years, there have been over 8,000 peace treaties. Think about that. 286 years. Pray for peace. It's amazing to me how when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He brings peace into our lives. Uh, Jesus had promised this, right? Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I think that's interesting. Uh, Because the opposite of peace is fear, right? Sometimes it's the opposite of peace is anger. If we're not at peace within, frequently we're angry. But also, the opposite of peace is fear. And I'm amazed, you know, I pray for the people of Manchester. What a shame. Uh, another terrorist attack. And, and isn't that the way our world is going? You see, Satan doesn't want you to have peace, Satan wants you to be afraid. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to lock your doors. He wants you to to board up your house. He wants you to board up your life and live in terror. But Jesus said that He is sending His Spirit to us so that even in the midst of terror, we can have peace. Do you understand that? You see, our peace isn't predicated on our circumstance or our situation. Our peace is predicated on the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me say that again. Our peace is not predicated on our experience, on our situation, on our circumstance. Our peace comes from the Spirit of God living within us. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, all right, Pastor, but when I'm driving down the road and that wonderful other person pulls pulls in front of me and I have to slam on the brakes and I'm afraid we're going to smash and kill everybody. Uh, You're telling me I shouldn't be afraid. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever be afraid. What I'm saying is you should not have to live in fear. You ever notice those people that in in the midst of chaos can just kind of walk in and, and deal? 
Um, I, I, I like the movie uh, Apollo 13. You ever see that movie? It's an old movie now. It's, it's about the Apollo 13 mission, which went just crazy. And, and so here these astronauts are up in space. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to bring them home. They're trying to figure out a way to get them home. And, and everybody is on edge because they know that these people's lives are on the line. But every time they talk off of the radio, you'd think everything was fine. Everything's just fine. How do they do that? Well, they put it on, right? What amazes me is I've been in crazy situations with people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ and all of a sudden they have peace in the middle of the chaos. And I want to say, what's wrong with you? And they want to say, what's wrong with you? If Jesus is for us, who could stand against us? If God promises to walk with us, then what circumstance could overwhelm us? And the problem is, as we saw when Peter got out and walked on the water, the problem is not the circumstance. The problem is who we're keeping our eyes on, isn't it? And as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he could walk on that water. But when he began to look around, he began to sink. Or how about the day they were in the boat? You remember the day they were in the boat. The storm comes up. These are fishermen. And they're convinced they're going to drown. They wake Jesus up. He's asleep in the back of the boat. And they wake Him up. I think they woke Him up to help bail. Having no clue. And Jesus wakes up, looks around and says, what's the problem? And they say, the boat's sinking. We're going to drown. Jesus shakes his head and he rebukes the storm. When was the last time you rebuked a storm? He rebukes the storm and it was calm. And there was what? Peace. Thank you, Kenny. Kenny's awake. (laughs) Kenny's with me still. Yeah, there was peace. Why is that? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit brings peace into our lives. And so I hope this morning as we go through, you begin to realize that the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and bring you fruit. Now, in our passage this morning, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, some people say the fruit as in plural. Like there's a lot of different fruit. Well, you could have a little, uh, you could have love, or you could have joy, or you could have peace, or you could have kindness, or you could have goodness. As if there's all these different kinds of fruit. That's not true. The word is singular in the Greek. It's the fruit. In other words, the singular fruit brings forth all these things. It's one fruit. So if the Holy Spirit lives within you, all these things are available to you. Did you catch that list? It's an important list. Verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I could preach on all of those, but we would miss the Memorial Day service. So we just want to focus on peace this morning. What does it mean to have that kind of peace in our lives? Once again, it's not based on our circumstance. It's really based on our relationship. And it's that relationship that can bring peace into your life. So, so I guess we begin this morning by saying, asking ourselves this question. Where don't I have peace? And why not? If the Holy Spirit is within me. 
What keeps me from having peace in that place? Maybe it's with your kids, or maybe, maybe you're having peace problems in your relationship with each other. Maybe you're having peace problems just within yourself. Something's going on. Or maybe you have peace problems with God. Where is there a lack of peace, and how can you find peace in the middle of that? We want to talk about the peace this morning. First of all, uh, the place to begin to get peace is to have a right relationship with God. And, and I always find this fascinating because we frequently think of the right relationship with God as, what do I have to do to, to find peace with God? As a matter of fact, I can't tell you how many books I've read that tell you the steps to peace with God. The steps to peace with God. Uh, ten steps to peace with God. Seven steps to peace with God. How many steps does it take to have peace with God? What's amazing to me is it only takes one step to have peace with God. You see, our world tries to tell us that we have to find peace with God. And as a matter of fact, that's what all the other religions do, if you think about it. Islam, how do you have peace with God? You've got to find peace with God. And in Islam, the way to have peace with God is to do more good deeds than bad deeds. That's, that's what Islam teaches. And, and so if you're really good, God may let you in. And they want you to know that God is sovereign and God may decide not to let you in anyway. No matter how good you are, but you live a good life striving, hoping you can have peace with God. Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, we could go through all the isms. We could go to Christianity. There's some people in Christianity that teach, well, if you want to have peace with God, then you have to work at it. You have to be good enough. You have to do certain things to have peace with God. That's not true. The good news is that Jesus said if you accept Him, He's going to give you His peace. That's it. It doesn't take uh, 300 different steps or two steps. It takes one step just to say yes to Jesus. He then will offer you His peace. It comes in the form of the Spirit of God upon your life. It's incredible. And you know what? It's 100% guaranteed. As a matter of fact, God wants you to know so much that He loves you and that He wants to have this relationship to, with you that when you say yes to Him, His Spirit comes within you and that Spirit once and for all guarantees you a, a place with God, a good relationship with God, God's ownership in your life. However you want to say that, it's like a deposit. You, you're going to go buy that vehicle. And, and you go and you have to put something down. Or you're going to borrow that money and you have to put something down, right? They want to have collateral. And so you've you got to figure out, okay, what can I put down? God said He wanted to pay the price for you and the collateral He's putting down is His Spirit that's going to live within you as proof that you have a relationship with God. Period. That's how he said it. He said his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a what? A deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I love that. A guarantee. I always like a guarantee. Whenever I buy anything at Best Buy, they always say, do you want to buy the warranty? And I always want to say, why? Is the product not good enough? I want you to know that God's product is perfect. 
And He has already paid the price, so He gives you His Spirit as a guarantee. No doubt. 100%. Nothing else you have to do. You hear me? Nothing else you have to do. Just say yes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, and you shall be saved. Not might be saved, not could be saved. Not if you're good enough after that. Not if you're smart enough. Not if you make all the right decisions. But you will be saved. Period. End of sentence. Awesome what God has done. You understand? All the other religions want you to do something to find peace with God. God says, I want peace with you. All you have to do is say yes to me. And you'll find that peace. But, but that's still your choice, right? Now, if you feel this morning you don't have peace with God, that something's not right between you and God, it's not God's fault. <laughs> God's already offered that. Somehow you've stopped saying yes. And His Spirit, if you've ever said yes, His Spirit is there. And He's saying, hey, I love you 100% unconditionally. Open up your spirit to me again and watch what happens. And that peace will begin to flow again. If you don't have peace with God today, maybe you keep thinking, well, you know, the things I've done in the past, they just, uh, I, I don't, God can't forgive me of that. God already forgave you for that. He's already paid the price. He's just waiting for you to say yes. And the minute you say yes, that peace of God will begin to fill your life. You just have to say yes. You don't know Jesus, you won't know peace. You know Jesus, you'll find peace. Because Jesus comes to bring His peace into our lives. And Romans 5.1 tells us, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there, boom. No steps, just say yes. Isn't that great? You can have that peace with God today. You just say yes. Now, uh, that's peace with God, but we, we sometimes struggle because, not that we don't have peace with God, but because we don't have peace within ourselves. And it's always good to see these pictures where there's just perfect peace, right? Uh, some of you are looking forward to that. You're thinking, well, for the rest of Memorial Day weekend, I'm just going to go sit somewhere and have peace. I know some people who have find peace sitting on a lawnmower. I like those people. I'd like to invite them to my house. I'll provide the lawnmower. <laughs> What's that? Uh, not, well, no, I actually I mowed it yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> but thank you, Nate. Uh, uh, I know I took all the peace away just like that. Oh man, tough crowd. <laughs> Frequently, the peace in our lives is the or the lack of peace in our lives comes from the struggle between all the things we want to do and the things we think would be best and the things we know God tells us are best. And that's where the real struggle comes. We have certain desires and certain passions. Our Scripture lesson this morning says that we need to crucify our, our passions and desires. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give us anything we might want. What it means is that we need to set aside our way, what we think is right, and we need to concentrate on what God wants and what God thinks is right. Because that's when we begin to find peace inside of us. 
And it's interesting to me that we spend a lot of time trying to justify our wants and our desires. And we justify them. We say, yeah, but, but you know, I, I, this is what I really want. And, and everybody else is doing it. And b- besides that, it feels good. And, and on top of all that, it's something that I think I should have. I deserve it. Now, I'm not saying that God wouldn't say at some point, yeah, I'd like you to have that. That's okay. But we need to start by saying, God, what I really want is what you want. Because here's the problem. And it started way back in the Garden of Eden. You may remember this, right? They're standing there looking at the tree. And Satan comes along and says to Eve, and by the way, Adam, according to the Scripture, is right there. So guys, you can't get off the hook saying, well, it's Eve's fault, all right? As a matter of fact, just, just as an aside, I, I want to be very clear about what the Scripture teaches here, okay? Because God went to Adam and told Adam he, couldn't eat of any, or he could eat of any tree of the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said that to Adam, who then had to tell Eve. And when they get to the temptation, Satan goes to Eve. And Adam is right there. Why isn't Adam saying, wait, 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 no, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's not what God said. No, no. No, Adam is quiet. And I always ask myself, why didn't he say anything? I got a good idea. Because he too was looking at that fruit and thinking, boy, that looks good. And what's the fruit? The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what's Satan say? If you eat of that, you'll be like God. Being able to decide for yourself what's good and what's bad. That's what we all want, isn't it? I want to decide for myself because if I want it, I want it. And then I can say, I don't care whether God thinks it's right or not. I like it. I'm going for it. And as we begin to walk that road, then before you know it, everything we want is good, and everything anybody else wants or God wants is bad. And the writer of Proverbs makes it very clear. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. You see, God has outlined for us a way to have peace inside of us. And it's not by deciding, I'm going to get whatever I want. Instead, it's by deciding, by choosing to seek God's way and what God wants. And and I'd encourage you too to, to do that by listening to God's Word. And not by listening just to some preacher. Because I hear a lot of preachers say, God says this. And when I read it in the Scriptures, I don't hear God saying that. But if the Spirit of God lives within you and you have this relationship with the Spirit of God, you see now... Rather than listening to somebody else, you begin to listen to the Spirit. And as you begin to read the Word, this is what you begin to do. You begin to walk in the Spirit. Do you ever think about that? What's that mean? To walk in the Spirit. 
Well, what, I, what it means for me usually is I stay in bed and my spirit gets up and, no, that's not what that means, <laughs> and goes to work. Oh, if, I only, if it was only that way. No, what that means is that as I walk through my life, I seek what the Spirit would seek. I listen for God's voice and I begin to follow that voice. And as God begins to speak, the Spirit begins to lead in places and in directions that bring peace within. Not always peace without, by the way. I hear some people say, well, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. That's not true. It's probably the most dangerous place to be is in the center of God's will. The good news is that God is there, so it's safe. Does that make sense? You see, God will lead you in paths that will take you to places that are filled with turmoil and struggle and heartache and pain. You say, then why would I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Because I'll tell you what, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're going to find yourself in the midst of struggles and trials. The good news is, if you're putting your trust in Jesus, you will have the strength and the peace to walk through those situations to see what God could do to overcome them. Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. And there's peace in that. No longer struggling. You you crucify what, what I want and you begin to live for what God wants. And there's peace. There's peace. And you know how I know? Because some of you are already falling asleep. No, kidding. And then finally, um, the peace comes and, and we can have that peace with God and peace within ourselves. But, but perhaps one of the most exciting things is we can actually have peace with others. We can have peace with others that that no one else could have peace with. Uh, And the reason we can do that is because that peace is not predicated on the other, it's predicated upon the Spirit of God in our lives. It's interesting how Paul says these things here. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. When we become conceited, then we're always right. I'm perfect, so you better believe what I say. I'm always right. When we become provocative, what we say things like this, I'll show you. When we get filled with envy, and I, I want to I try to change for you a little bit uh, what envy can be. Because frequently we think of envy as, I wish I had what they had. But what if we said it this way? I deserve better. I love this picture, by the way. Two dogs without spots and the dog in the middle with spots. Envy, I deserve better. And how easy it is for those things to begin to push their way into our lives. And we lose the peace of walking with Christ. Because we find ourselves at strife with other people. I'll show you. I'm right. I deserve better. 
But Jesus shows us a different way. You see, when the Spirit of God comes within us, He begins to fill us with love for others. And that begins to change everything. Because that begins to seek peace with each other and with other people. And it's amazing how this peace of God begins to come into our lives. And that peace comes as we really try to love one another. As a matter of fact, if we really love each other, rather than being conceited, we find ourselves being humble. Because it's not about us anymore. It's about trying to share the love that we have for them. It's, it actually becomes almost more about them. And so even though they're difficult, we do all we can. The Apostle Paul said this way, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of my, one in spirit and of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Would that make a difference in the relationships that you find yourself in? Perhaps bringing peace where there was no peace. Or how about this? So. Rather than being provocative, saying, I'll show you. What if you would rather begin to lift up the banner of Christ's love? You see, rather than saying, well, you're wrong and I'm right, saying, listen, I believe that God loves you. Could I share with you that love? Listening and loving. There's that passage in Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, depending on how old you are and what scriptures you read. Um, And it's chapter 2, verse 4. Maybe you've heard it. Um, It says, He welcomes me uh, to the banquet hall and, and let His banner over me be love. When people see you, what do they see? Do they see someone who says, I'll show you? Or do they say, hey, that's someone who really cares about me what banner do you wave do you wave the banner of God's love or do you do you wave the banner of I'm right I'll show you I want the world to know that they're wrong what banner do you wave and then finally contentment um The Apostle Paul said it this way, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Can you imagine? If God is with you, what more do you need? What more do you need? Well, I need, you see, Pastor, you don't understand. Uh, I need more. (laughs) And, And you fill in the blank. I need more. Whatever it is. But if God lives within you, isn't that enough? And that's when you really find peace. When you've decided that God is enough for you. And you can be content with others because it's not about what they have. It's about God working in your life. I wish you would know the peace of God. That you would know the peace that, that brings us to a place that when we die, we know that we will be with Jesus and it will be okay. 
Not maybe, not might, not if you're good enough. Not if at the funeral they can come up with enough good stuff to say. I saw a great t-shirt the other, other day. It said, um, live in such a way that the pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, I would say, put your trust in Jesus so that the pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Or others, because when you die, everybody's going to say, well, they're in a better place. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you shall have eternal life. And there is peace in that. The Bible also says if you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will never experience peace. You'll be separated from God forever when you die. And I would much rather be able to say they rest in peace. And may God's Spirit come upon you and give you inner peace so that you no longer have to fight this battle, but you are fully in, 100% going to follow Jesus. And in following Jesus, know that that will be the best for your life. And then pray for world peace. Because you see, it's our conceit it's our provocation and it's our envy that keeps us fighting. Someday the scripture says the Prince of Peace will return and he will bring peace to our world. And I'm looking forward to that day. I hope you're looking forward to that day. And when that comes, then we will really know peace with each other. But that could begin today with you. Won't you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads, that question we started with reverberates in our minds. Why don't we have peace? Lord, sometimes we don't have peace because we think we deserve more or we want more. Or we want to do it our way and every time we do it our way it keeps falling apart but we think maybe if we just did it this little different and it keeps us from having peace maybe we just thought if we could be good enough we'd have peace and we find that as good as we can get we still don't feel good enough Lord, sometimes we come at this moment and we hear your voice and yet we hold back because we're afraid of what others would think. And so we forfeit the opportunity to find that peace. Lord Jesus, we lift up to you those who came this morning without that relationship with you. And Lord, right now, we pray that they would say yes to You. That they would ask You to come into their lives. That they would begin to walk with You. Find the peace that comes with, from a relationship with You that You so desperately want with them. Lord, may today be the day. Their day. 
to find that peace. Lord, there are others who this morning are struggling deep within because they've decided what they want and they know that you want something else for them. This morning, Lord Jesus, pray that they would open their hearts and, and say yes to you and say, I'm going to do it your way, Jesus. That there might be peace deep within. Lift up to you this morning, Lord Jesus, people who are in conflict with someone in their family or in conflict with someone at work or at school, a neighbor perhaps. And Lord, they've been looking at the other person and saying it's all their fault. May today their heart be turned to love. And may we love You so much and love them so much that there might be peace. We pray for peace today, Jesus. We ask these things in Your name. Amen.